Welcome to the PCOS Diva podcast. My name is Amy Medling. I'm a certified health coach and founder of PCOS Diva. My mission is to help women with PCOS find the tools and knowledge they need to take control of their PCOS so they can regain their fertility, femininity, health, and happiness. Today's PCOS Diva podcast is sponsored by the seven-day Discover Your PCOS Diva Jumpstart program. Jumpstart is the place to begin when you're ready to commit to yourself and jump into your healing journey. Learn step-by-step how diet, lifestyle, and mindset changes can get you on the right path. You'll be thrilled to feel your energy return, brain fog lift, acne begin to clear, and so much more. Visit PCOSDiva.com slash jumpstart for more information and to get started today. If you haven't already, make sure you check out PCOSDiva.com. There I offer tons of great free information about PCOS and how to develop your PCOS diet and lifestyle plan so you can begin to thrive like a PCOS diva. Look for me on iTunes, Facebook, Pinterest, and Instagram as well. So today I'm welcoming back Dr. Diane Ginsberg. We did a podcast back in 2015. It's podcast episode 13. We talked about naturally treating PCOS. I recently had the pleasure of listening to Dr. Ginsberg give a lecture about PCOS, and I found out that she has a brand new book out called The PCOS Environmental Roadmap. So I had to have her back on the PCOS Diva podcast. So, so happy to have you back, Dr. Ginsburg. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. So you are an OBGYN and a functional medicine doctor, which I think is such a fantastic combination uh, for women with PCOS. And there's not too many of you out there, Uh, but you, um, you lecture for the Functional Medicine University on the topic of PCOS, its natural reversal and pathways to fertility. And as I mentioned, you're the author of this great new book. And you are the founder of the Institute of Functional Medicine in the Houston area as well. So I am just thrilled to dive into your book. And I would love for you to um, sort of f- frame how you uh, sort of view PCOS. And you talked about PCOS women having sort of these survival genes. Um, and I think that in, in a lot of ways that can be a positive, but in the light of our um, modern lifestyle, it can be challenging. So I was hoping that you could kind of just start there. Absolutely. So I think the way we need to look at our body is that our body is a perfect machine. And I think we forget that. It it was built to last. There are uh, survival mechanisms. There are sleep mechanisms. There are active mechanisms. There are procreating mechanisms. I mean, there's so much that our body can do when it's in balance. And when we think of ourselves, I think, paleolithically, so I I tell people way, way, way great, you know, great, 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 great dinosaur grandma, whatever you inherited from that generation was probably beneficial at that time. So I I think when, when we hit modern day medicine, the problem that we have is everybody just wants to put a label on it. 
Do you have PCOS? Do you have amenorrhea or no periods? Do you have MS? Do you have Parkinson's? Whatever the disease state, do you have infertility? I think if we get away from, well, do I have this official diagnosis so I wear this t-shirt, I think that we can get a better look at just finding optimal health. And whereas if you really think about PCOS, right, so the Rotterdam criteria was back in 2003 that a bunch of people just sat down and said, okay, we're finding this problem. We have this group of women who are struggling with these symptoms. What are we going to do? And they came up with, okay, well, if you have one of three things, right, hyperandrogens, too many male hormones, bunch of little cysts on your ovaries, and irregular periods, if you have two of those three things, we're just going to give you this diagnosis. And I was seeing people come into my office where they'd say, well, this person kind of said I had PCOS, but I never really had irregular periods, and, and, and I bleed normally, but then I had irregular periods as a kid. So I like people to just look at who they are. And I break them down into what their strengths are, say, and what their weaknesses are. And I think that's a good way to approach PCOS and then figure out what's missing to create the negatives. And that's kind of where the roadmap comes in. It's, it's not just, oh, I have these cysts that came from nowhere or the PCOS fairy came down. It's what dysregulated. So What's going on with my gut? Is my microbiome off? Where do my genetics affect me and how did they change? Look at the EMFs that are around, the 4G and now the 5G. Am I inside all the time, right? Think about our Paleolithic ancestors. They were outside. How many people get up, go to the gym at five in the morning, take a shower, get in their car, drive to work, sit in front of their computer, go home, eat dinner and go to bed. So there's no light in their eyes. And then the hormones aren't just the boy-girl hormones, but insulin keeps you full, leptin keeps you full, ghrelin says you're hungry. So a disbalance of these hormones is a problem. And then last but not least, in other words, what are you doing to burn the energy that you're taking in? So anything ancestrally that you've disconnected from is going to give you a dis, D-I-S, ease, lack of comfort, or dis-ease state. And, and that's, I think, how we want to approach PCOS. Well, you can tell that you're a functional medicine doctor because you're really getting, you're treating each person as an individual and you're getting to the root cause of their, their PCOS and you're not treating PCOS with a pill um, for every ill. Correct. <laughs> um, and maybe you could talk a little bit about um, why pills like the birth control pill or hormonal um, contraceptives that doctors prescribe um, and or the the drug metformin and, you know, even things like spironolactone, why these pills aren't really fixing PCOS? Well, really, it's really interesting because I am still board certified in OBGYN and um, I won't let that go, right? It's, it's part of my identity. I don't deliver babies anymore, but I'm still board certified in OBGYN. So I had to take a test this year. Every six years, you have to retake a test. So I had to reread some of even the updated info on straight OBGYN. And do you know, interesting fact, 
that in terms of PCOS, that metformin is not the primary recommendation for patients with PCOS who want to get pregnant and have irregular periods. The number one recommendation, even in ACOG, American College of OBGYN, is lifestyle changes. Oh, and really interesting is that there are no more live births related to treating a PCOS patient with metformin and Clomid or not. So even the OBGYN kind of the ACOG society realizes that it's not about throwing a pill on somebody to really fix a problem. The way I tell PCOS patients to think of themselves is, again, what you had benefited your body years and years ago. Good way to think of it is African-Americans carry something called sickle cell trait. So sickle cell anemia is where your red blood cell, instead of looking like a Frisbee, starts to look like a sickle, like the Grim Reaper carries. When oxygen drops, that's what happens. Well, if you take an African-American and you put them with that sickle cell gene in Africa, they're immune to malaria naturally. You take them and you bring them to the United States and they sickle a little bit. Now, all of a sudden, they run low in their blood count and they're, it's harder to be an athlete. So in the same world, living in one place versus living in another, you're a completely different person. And I think that's how we need to look at PCOS mm-hmm. and why the pills don't work. So here's how I want everybody to think of it. There's two major forms, and I talk about this in the book, that I think you can break it down into. Either your great-great dinosaur grandma had insulin resistance at the level of her muscle, meaning she had to go through times of starvation. If she did, when food was plentiful, she would eat a lot and try to pack as much energy or glucose stored as glycogen into her muscle as possible and then put on fat so she could live through times of starvation. So the, what they're finding in the literature is that certain people have actually mutations in the receptor for insulin, which means when you try to put insulin into the cell, the message isn't read. So therefore, the pancreas gets mad, drives the insulin level even higher to force it into the cell, and that's what insulin resistance is. So insulin resistance, when you're going to hibernate or when there's times of no food, is beneficial. And now you get bigger, and then what happens is is when you go through hibernation and you starve, you slowly burn so you can live through the starvation period. So what will happen if you take that particular person and you bring them to today's society and you take away their sunshine and you give them more nutrient-rich foods and you throw a little EMF, you know, problems in there also, a little bit of disruption of their mitochondria from all the waves that are around us. But most importantly, you give them food 24-7 and winter never comes, they're going to keep storing and they're not going to burn. When you do that to a little girl who is now growing up and she's three, four, five, even though she doesn't think she's eating badly, she's still eating the classic American diet. So the ovary now sees as it's developing a lot of extra insulin, a lot of extra glucose. So it is going to then start to shift its barometer towards it's time to hibernate, not time to have a baby. So the ovary will then make a lot of testosterone, more than estrogen, while this little girl is now seven, eight, nine. And it will start to pulse this testosterone into the central nervous system. 
So at a time when you are developing the electrical current for that normal cycle to kick in, now you've got an abnormal balance. And this is the little girl who, as her periods start, is going to be a little insulin resistant, make those hormones, but she's making more testosterone, so she'll have irregular periods. Now as this continues, now she's 12, now she's 13, now she's 14, the insulin resistance persists, the hormones are irregular, she now has irregular periods, and she's gaining more and more weight. Now with this blood sugar dysregulation, there becomes a dysregulation in the microbiome because the bacteria and the bugs we call our microbiome, the trillions of bugs in our colon, are are not in the balance that they should be because of what they're seeing with insulin and glucose and weight gain and more irregular periods become a problem. And then the vicious cycle spins. So this is kind of etiology one. So you have so many things that have gone into that, just giving somebody metformin to say, okay, I'm going to shove more insulin into the cells or giving somebody spironolactone, which all that's doing is taking the extra testosterone and preventing it from turning into dihydrotestosterone. So supposedly the hair and the acne gets better. And even in my 25 years of OB-GYN, I've never seen that do anything great. Mm-hmm. All, all the birth control pills do is sop up the extra testosterone. So there's not as much free testosterone. So therefore you wind up with a little less acne, but you've nowhere gone back to the etiology of the problem. Right. And it's, well, we, I've done podcasts on this with uh, the additional downsides of taking the pill with nutrient deficiencies and Correct. check out my, my podcast with um, Dr. Jolene Brighton on that. But the thing that I find in your book that's so empowering is that there's so much that we can do that's within our own control to help the situation um, and and help our genes uh, work better. And I want I would love for you to talk about light, and you kind of alluded to that. Um, the the light receptors in our eyes and how it really affects our hormones and maybe you could talk a little bit more talk a little more about that and then give us some tips on how we can help um, adjust sort of our circadian rhythm. Sure. So so things that you need to do. The first thing you need to do is kind of write down how much outside you get. People would be shocked about how little time they actually spend outside. So it's an interesting, kind of like when we talk about food, we tell people, write your foods down for a week. And the average person eats, what, about 12 different foods. So write down how much outside time you have. It's a, it's a good idea to see how much light you probably don't get into your system. So the story of light is that if you look at the number of kingdoms that make up our world, I think there's 26 different kingdoms of which we as humans are one of. And then if you look at the percentage of those kingdoms that are 98% of the species, 98% of them actually have eyes. So the take-home message is that there might be a lot of different life out there that doesn't have eyes that's on our planet, but 98 to 99% of the ones that dominate have eyes, which shows you the importance of light entering the body as far as what it does. And if you look at plants, plants take light and water and they make food, right? They make food and they make uh, oxygen for us. So they, the, the concept of what the chloroplast can do is, is something we need to think about because the chloroplast in the plant is very similar to our mitochondria, which makes our energy. Mm 
So it is not just about the food we put in, but the light that's entering the eyes. So what happens in the morning when you get up is I want you to think of rhodopsin from the littlest shrimp on the bottom of the ocean to what's in your eye, that rhodopsin molecule is almost exactly the same. And visualize that it's all crunched up in a ball, like a piece of paper that you've crunched up. Well, when your light, when your eyes see the sunlight, that piece of paper opens up, the, the rhodopsin unrolls. And it almost is now a pathway of the sunlight into your suprachiasmatic nucleus or the middle of your central nervous system. That is the trigger to the brain and everybody in the body that it's light. We're not hibernating. It's okay to burn energy because you're probably going to be able to find food because light is associated with sunshine and sunshine is associated with food and fruit and plenty. So the body will now feel comfortable releasing this shutdown that it has and it'll start to burn. So if you don't get food in you immediately, your brain will say, well, I need something. So the body will go, oh, no problems. I'm feeling good. Sunshine's here, you know, fat. Can you release a little bit of energy? So now you, you start to burn your fat. That's the balance of your body. And the, there's something called leptin, which has only been discovered since about 1996. Well, leptin says you're full. Ghrelin says you're hungry. Well, these guys are also modulated by light. So when you get up in the morning and light gets into your system, then the I'm full hormone is allowed to relax a little bit more because the body knows it's going to be able to eat. As the day goes on and you eat and you elevate your blood sugar and your body stores it, leptin will then rise back up again so it can protect you through the long night or potentially the long winter. So it is the understanding that I'm up in the morning, lights in my eyes, I get the sunlight in the morning, I get the sunlight in the afternoon, I see the light starts to go down at the end of the day, and then with reasonable time, I go to sleep. I'm not up watching TV till all hours of the night. I'm, I'm comfortable in, in meditating or or lighting a candle or whatever your downtime is so you get good sleep. So now you close your eyes, light disappears until it wakes up again in the morning. So what we've done, unfortunately, is we've dysregulated mm -hmm. that. And I think that is going to blow up your system despite anything you eat or any supplement you take. So my tips would be, you don't have to do a long exercise. In other words, you can wrap in a blanket or in a sweatshirt. When you get up in the morning, you need to go outside. I drink my coffee outside. In the summer, I sit on my front lawn, I ground, because I talked about relaxation and grounding. Medical literature is full of autoimmune disease and inflammatory problems getting better when people sit on the earth, because the earth is where you offload your excess electrons. Yeah, so, I don't know if people understand, have heard that term grounding before. I don't want to get too far off this topic, but... It, um, grounding is just, say, barefoot outside. Just let your yeah. feet touch the earth. So it's a, And if it's too cold, of course, you don't necessarily do that. But I'm saying just... So for light, go outside and let the sunlight get into your eyes. If you are an early morning worker, then what you may do is you may go to work, but then you have to find that time, even if it's just 10 minutes, to walk away from your computer, away from your desk, and go outside and let the sunlight get into your eyes. What we do in the book, there's a lot of lights you can use. You can get a light that you can put by your desk if you sit by your computer all day, or really, really big struggles are night shift workers. Yes. Because 
what happens is their circadian rhythms are upside down. And there was a big paper that was just released that said they have a significantly increased risk of miscarriages and they're blaming circadian rhythms. But there are lights you can buy that you can put by your desk or you can put in your house that actually reflect more of the sunlight. They call them a satellite that will, will help you kind of feel better and get the better light in your eyes. You can, the computer screen, right? That will mess with your eyes. So if you're on that computer screen and then you go home and you watch TV, that's where the blue blockers come in, where you, you only let the good light come through and you're letting more of the red come through. So it's okay to have a little blue in the morning, but you want to make sure that the, the, the more milder, calmer lights are there at night. So getting your circadian rhythm in line can be done really by just being conscious of getting more outside. And, and like I said, a handful of those little tools, and I refer everybody in our book to Jack Cruz, K-R-U-S-E. He's a huge light hacker, and he does a ton of stuff on YouTube and a bunch of podcasts, and he's got great info on mitochondria and light hacking. And just so that everybody heard you correctly, you're saying that this is, you know, if not as important as diet and supplements and you know those life those lifestyle modifications that we typically hear about we really need to get this under control 100% and i would say in other words almost to a point not not more important than food because you're not going to get up and eat you know pizza for breakfast and macaroni for lunch and not be healthy because you have to give your gut microbiome vegetables i mean we know you have to eat reasonable but yeah you can eat perfectly and if you don't get those circadian rhythms in line, that leptin ghrelin, that hunger full satiety center will dysregulate. And if it does, and you develop leptin resistance where the central nervous system and leptin don't talk, no matter what you try to do, your, your, your system will be dysregulated. Your weight will be a problem. Your hormones will be a problem. Your, your, um, your fertility will be an issue. Remember, most hormones are, are balanced based on what's going on in the body. The thyroid will convert one, like T4, will convert from its basic hormone into the more active hormone when it sees sunshine. So there's a lot of people that are treated for hypothyroidism. When they're not really hypothyroid, the bottom line is their body thinks they're hibernating. So absolutely, I think you have to, you have to really respect that concept. And then your genes are, are not just who you are, but it's their expression of your genes will be determined based on what's going on in your environment, right? We are, we are only probably 10% of what our genes are. We're 90% of what we express. Well, vitamin D is on every cell in our body. So if your body thinks it's hibernating and light's not there and D is low, no matter what you eat, it's going to store. Mm-hmm. And I think what I love about this lifestyle suggestion is it's really relatively easy and enjoyable. I mean, there's nothing painful about it. Getting out and outdoors for a walk after lunch to get that sunlight or to, you know, step outside in the morning and see the light or watch the sunset. I mean, those are all things that are like simple joys in life. Yes. And I think, and I think, part of the problem. And that's why the intro to my book, I wrote about my kids, because part of the problem is when you get a diagnosis, you tend to be that diagnosis. 
And, and I want everybody listening to not do that. I mean, I, I was told that my, I have two boys and, and, and that's why the, the introduction was so powerful. I was told that my son who's 21 years old now who had no language at five years old was severely mentally retarded and would never talk. He had no written language. I mean, no spoken language, wasn't pointing to pictures, nothing. And so when you get that diagnosis, you think, oh my God, this is where it's going to be. But it was, it was using all similar techniques to this and getting his gut in line and making sure light was there and doing different activities that the language came and the system organized. And does he have dyslexia? Does he struggle a little bit? Yes, but he's in college doing very well. And my other kid is in medical school. So the same thing with PCOS. I think, unfortunately, people get into this struggle. And then once the diagnosis is there, they become the diagnosis. What I need everybody to understand besides the six parts of the roadmap is there are a lot of people who don't have insulin resistance issues. They have gut issues that have developed from our toxic diet. So they didn't, mom didn't realize it, right? I tell people I grew up on cereal and fluffernutters and Twinkies and we ate well, but I mean, we still ate that. So if you are somebody genetically that is predisposed to having more inflammation from bread or gluten or dairy or fake food. You don't have to have celiac to have certain mutations. And I talked about that in the book that will react above and beyond when you eat that. So now the gut's inflamed. So now the fat doesn't digest. So now the blood sugar is dysregulated and you almost develop this state of being. And that's not who you are. It's just what you've developed. So don't take that diagnosis and say, this is what I am. It's just something that's developed. And by unwrapping what's happened, by following some of these tips, you can reverse what you have. Yeah, that is such an important uh, insight. And, you know, and I talk a lot about how we have to move away from feeling like a victim, because it really and I think when you get into that um, diagnosis, like I am PCOS, it's easy to stay in that victim state. Um, and, and you lose power in that place. But I love how how you're um, how you've kind of reframed that for us. And there's just so much in your book. Um, I want that I'm not going to be able to really touch upon all of those um, points in your environmental roadmap, but I was hoping that um, in addition to circadian cycle, you could just talk for a minute about the EMFs, because in chapter nine, you have a whole chapter dedicated to electromagnetic fields and their disruptive forces. Uh, this is something that I think is relatively new for a lot of people listening. There hasn't been a lot of talk on how EMFs um, play a role in um, our, our dysregulation, uh, and I was hoping that you could just kind of touch upon it and maybe give us another a tip or two on how to overcome that. Yeah, so here's how I want everybody to think of it. If you look in the mirror, you see what you think is you, right? And people go, okay, this is my body. So here's how I want you to think of this. If somebody gave you a brand new boat, not a, not a fiberglass one, but one that's made out of wood for New Year's, a New Year's Day gift, 
and it was great. It was on your local ocean and it was a beautiful boat. And now on day two, on New Year's Day, January two, I come back and I go, okay, I'm taking out the steering wheel and replacing it with a new one. And then I'm gonna take out a bunch of the wood tiles and replace them with another. And I'm gonna take the mast off and replace it with another. Then I come back January 3rd and I take the bedroom out and I replace it with a different one. And I take the roof off and I replace it with a different one. And I do that all year. By the time Christmas comes, I've replaced everything on the boat. So the big question is, is it the same boat? And I really, it's a rhetorical question. I want everybody to think about that because that's what your body is. Your cells are constantly turning over. So your DNA is, is double-stranded. Think of it as Mardi Gras beads, right? You have two strands of Mardi Gras beads next to each other. And what happens is, is that as you are on this planet, your cells turn over, right? They divide. Well, the way that process happens is that this, the, the DNA, the double strand, separates and then another strand is formed and then the cells completely separate. And basic cell division, most of us learned in high school. But what happens is, is that the DNA is pulled apart gently into the new, t- new cell by something called the mitotic spindle. That is very susceptible to energy changes, to the 4G frequency, the 3G, 4G, and especially the 5G frequency. So not only can our brain waves be affected, and and that can make us anxious and not feel great, but go down to the smaller level. So your cells have a job to do, and they are set on a certain pathway. Well, as the new cell is coming along, it's not as healthy and the DNA is not as organized as the original one is because it's been disrupted by this EMF. So you form a suboptimal cell who is going to make suboptimal energy and suboptimal proteins and burn suboptimal fat. And that's where the EMFs will affect us. That, again, doesn't include the, the buzzing that we hear all the time, just this, the waves that are going through your body. So the, in the book, I write about everything I learned about EMFs. I learned from a great guy named, named Nick Penalt, and he wrote the non-tinfoil guide to EMFs. And there's a lot of stuff that you can get overwhelmed with. You know, do I buy a $10,000 bed that gets me off the ground and, and, and it's going to shield me? I don't think you have to go there. One of the things he'll tell you is about a foot between you and your computer, your phone, and anything significant is the best place to start. So don't put your computer on your lap. Use a, if at home, get a standing desk or sit at your kitchen table. Make sure, again, it's not directly sitting on you. Number two, your cell phone. Do not put it in your pocket. A lot of the boys, I tell my sons when they wear those, their shorts, they put it in the front part of their pocket. I don't think it's great being in that area because it's radiating. Things with your microwave. Don't stand in front of the microwave while it's jetting out rays while you cook. There's a list of plants. One especially is an aloe that you can put around you that will absorb EMFs. You can, instead of using the Bluetooth, I use the old-fashioned skull candy headphones because then you're not radiating into your brain. What you're doing is you're actually using the headphones that plug into your computer or into your cell phone. So turn off your Wi-Fi at night at, at um. At, at Home Depot, you can buy like a Christmas light timer and you can set the Wi-Fi where it turns off at 10 o'clock and turns back on in the morning. So offloading some of that day-to-day pressure 
will make a big difference in cellular turnover and cellular efficiency. And I think you'll see big changes. I could go even deeper into EMFs and how it affects the microbiome. But in other words, just think of you want your turnover to be efficient. You want that boat to look just like it did the next New Year's as it did when you first got it. Mm-hmm. Well, your book has it is very concise. It's um, a, an easy read. I read it over the this last weekend. Um, and we really just scratched the surface of what you have inside. Um, I was just wondering if you could give everybody a little bit um, of like bird's eye overview of what we missed in this podcast today that's in the book. So basically, we tried to divide it into, I wrote it with um, Sheila Vujkovic, who's a nutritional therapy practitioner who is near and dear to my heart. Sheila and I have been together forever. And um, what we did is break it down into three parts. I, I wrote the science part. I tried to keep each chapter, and we broke it down very simply. We do a little intro, and then I broke it down into energy balance, hormones, light, EMF, genetics and epigenetics, and microbiome. So it's going to just give you as if you want to get a little bit into the science of it and understand the genetics, it's going to show you why your microbiome is is different than the person next door who maybe can eat more of the different foods that are not as healthy and not get sick. Because we hear that a lot from kids, you know, why can Jane eat this and I can't? So it goes into that in a bit of detail. Not the, the book's about, I think, about 160 pages because we wanted to use it more as a workbook kind of combo. So that'll give you a little bit of an idea of the things that you need to do if you want to get into the science. The roadmap itself is about 30 pages. It goes into detail of different testing you can do why and what you can ask your doctor for. Some of it is done through functional labs, but a lot of it is done through LabCorp. There's a lot that you can get. If you walk in with a list and say to your OB-GYN or your internist, can you get these for me? Because that's going to be a reality check. If your leptin, and I have the numbers in there, if your leptin is greater than 15 or 18 and you're struggling with weight loss, you have leptin resistance. So that's what it is. So therefore you go, okay, now I'm empowered. Now I realize I maybe have to find a nutritional therapy practitioner or somebody that can help me break leptin resistance. Because a lot of times that requires a little lower carbs, not necessarily keto, but transitioning into that while you break the leptin resistance and then figuring out the balance for you. So that second part goes into what labs you need, what thyroid labs to need to balance. But the third part is a reset. It's about five pages and tomorrow it's where you start. When you open the book, it's lists of vegetables that you need to eat and vary. It's what you do for 30 days. Plants that you're going to buy that, you, that can help absorb the EMFs what you can do for light hacking. In other words, we go through a 30-day reset that I think you can start from them while you're reading the book from the minute you open it so you can really take control of your own life and start to do something because people get very overwhelmed. So this enables you to go, okay, these are the 10 things I have to do today. And if I do those, then I know that I'm one step closer to the next day to kind of reversing my syndrome. So it's going to take the roadmap itself and concise it down to make it very, very manageable. Well, it's a great book. And I thank you for writing it because it's wonderful to have, you know, multiple resources. Um, And, you know, just a few short years ago, there weren't many PCOS books on the bookshelf. Um, But I want, I will be posting a link to the Amazon um, 
to get the book on Amazon as well as a link to your your practice. Um, is, are you taking uh, patients now or if somebody's interested in working with you, how could they do that? Yes. So what we do under Diane Ginsburg, MD, what we do is, is we try to do on our Facebook page and on our website, we try to do videos every week to every other week on different topics. Cause I think even with PCOS, it's interesting. You need to learn about gut microbiome. We did the skin, healthy skin, but we wound up talking about vitamin D and sunshine. So while we see patients through telemedicine and in the office, um, we, what I try to do through our website and through our YouTube channel is try to give 15-minute snippets of info. Sometimes it'll be a brand new article that we've read that we can take into uh, an, a video that, that everybody can learn from. So we're happy to do personalized individual medicine in the office through in-house here or through telemedicine. But please, we want to just share info. We want to really make the world a healthier place. So, so go to our YouTube channel. It's Diane Ginsburg, MD, or our Facebook page. And, uh, or even on the website, we've got a video library on explaining why your gut might be problems with gluten, even if you don't have you know, celiac, just to understand how all these outside forces can be adding and leading to the PCOS dysfunction. Mm. And you do a really great job of breaking down kind of that complex medical information in the book. You have some great analogies. Um, I love the one about how um, cell receptors uh, receive hormone messages and you uh, compare that to like that tele the the game is kids telephone it was yeah. br brilliant so I, I encourage listeners to check out your resources because you're really good at what you do Dr. Ginsburg well I appreciate having me Amy and, and anything we can do to help it's I think that my book is a compliment to yours you went into so much diet detail and kind of your own personal journey what I wanted to try to do is is just kind of put a little icing on the cake of what's out there. In other words, everybody gets into that, but really start to have everybody think outside the box and really empower back. So thanks so much for having me. Well, and thank you for coming on again for our second podcast. And thank you for everyone um, who listened today. And I look forward to being with you again very soon. Bye -bye. Sounds good. Have a great day. Well, that wraps up our podcast today. Thank you so much for joining us on the PCOS Diva podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you liked this episode, remember to subscribe to PCOS Diva on iTunes or wherever else you may be listening to this show. And if you have a minute, please leave me a quick review on iTunes because I love to hear from you. If you think someone else might benefit from this free podcast, please take a minute to share it with a friend or family member so she can benefit from it too. And don't forget to sign up for my free weekly newsletter. Just enter your email at PCOSDiva.com to get instant access and make sure you never miss a future podcast. This is Amy Medling wishing you good health. Bye-bye.